Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Stampede Blue. All right. Colts fans, here we are. We're... Jared Malott and Stephen Reed, and this has uh, become Afternoon Pancakes. Uh, we talked about also calling it Pancakes and Hot Takes. And here we are. Uh, today is July 17th, marking the arrival of rookies at training camps across the country. So not, not necessarily Colts, uh, but NFL in general. And then training camp effectively starts for the Colts I believe the 22nd, so we're within a week of training camp starting. And then 24th. 24th, so literally a week They report today. the 24th, and then the, the first practice, I think, is the 25th. There you go. So we hey, everybody, were, it's Stephen Reed here. Yeah, Stephen Reed chiming in Woo-hoo. to correct me and make sure we do it right. right. So what we're doing is uh, every week, Stephen Reed and I are going to sit down and record a, about an hour-long podcast where we kind of talk about what's going on. Um, and the idea being... At this point right now, just like you said, we're one week from training camp, and then tomorrow is one is two weeks from the Hall of Fame game, Denver and Atlanta in uh, Canton, Ohio. Um, so here I thought we'd say, hey, Stephen, how are you today, brother? What's on your mind? I'm doing well today. Uh, not not much is on the mind, just to getting excited for training camp coming up and, mm-hmm. and going over uh, whatever we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Now, have you ever actually attended a Colts training camp? I have not gotten the opportunity to, um, and I sh- probably should have. Um, they were at Rose Holman um, for several years um, mm-hmm. back in the day, and yeah. I, I never went. But uh, at the time, I wasn't wasn't there because um, they obviously do it prior to students getting there. Um, right. But yeah, I've never never actually been uh, to training camp. I would love to go. Um, myself. And I know that they're actually, uh, for those people that are interested in going to training camp, a lot of the uh, writers for Stampede Blue uh, do go. And so have a lot of fun and you can all buy them uh, beverages. Right. And I'd love to be at training camp, but I will be out of town uh, roughly next week. Um, Now that said, uh, the Colts training camp location has moved, so now we're in Grant Park. I think it's called Grant Park in Westfield. It is, uh, yeah. It used to be held in, at Anderson University, and then prior to that, like Steven said, it was held at Rose Holman. So if you've been a Colts fan for a, fan for a long time and you've wanted to go to training camp, hey, it's not on Rose Holman's campus, and it's not yeah. at Anderson University anymore. <laughs> it's in Westfield, Indiana, which is on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And if I remember correctly, the tickets to go to training camp are just limited. They're not, they, they don't have a cost. Yeah, they like, are free, but you they have are to free. sign up to you get the to tickets at the Colts website. Right. You can't just show up to training camp, Reggie. 
uh, you're gonna have to buy tickets first. Yeah, um, and it's at Grand Park is the Grand name Park. of it. So I was yeah. close. I was one letter away. It was away. really close. Yeah. Uh, and I, and um, so so here we are, one week one week from training camp, and if you're the Colts, uh, the coaching staff, at, and having all the information that we have available to us at this point, outside of what we know, which is the Colts predicate their offense on the offensive line play. And then from the defensive perspective, it's everybody does their job. Darius makes the tackle. We do okay, right? Um, But that being said, though, tongue-in-cheek, if you're going into training camp, let's say you were going to attend training camp this year, doctor, what are you looking at the most? Like, is it the wide receiver room? Is it how good does that secondary look against these wide, this wide receiver room that we have? Like, what what kinds of things uh, are kind of going to tickle your fancy? Things that you're excited to un- to learn come out of Colts camp? Like, who who emerges as the number three wide receiver? Right. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be probably the biggest um, thing for me is is to look at the wide receiver, see who's going to be that fourth wide receiver, mm-hmm. um, fourth fifth wide receiver, um, determine you know, where the cornerbacks are um, in terms of like how well Quincy Wilson plays, because every year he seems to have a a really good um, stretch during the season, um, but he can't maintain it consistently. But um, the last year at the end of the year, once he started really understanding what it was, what it took to be a professional Mm -hmm. and breaking down film and getting his body right and everything like that, my hope is that he carried that over through the off season and that he's going to step in and actually become somebody that shouldn't be a surprise standout in training camp because he's a former second round pick. But given the lowered expectations of Colts fans over the past couple of years, uh, based on how he's performed, I think that he would have an opportunity to really show out uh, to, to look at being that fourth corner, um, fourth, fifth corner, and then um, the other thing that I, w- I would look at, and it's a little bit more of an underrated aspect, is the linebacker group to see what they do with Bobby Okariki. They, they were really, really high on him mm-hmm. uh, going into the draft and after the draft, whether he steps in and, and challenges Anthony Walker at that middle linebacker spot. But I actually think it's probably more likely that he will look at that strong side um, linebacker mm-hmm. spot and look at taking that from Zay Franklin or Matthew Adams. So from from earlier uh, research I'd done and things I'd written that I can remember off the top of my head without having to use a computer, the Colts are returning 20 of 22 starters and believe- really, really losing Dontrell Inman and... Um, Oh, uh, what we say? What I, I wrote? I remember writing the article. Uh, they lost like an interior defensive lineman. Like was it Al Woods? So yeah, they lost. They, they lost Al Woods this past offseason. I think that was. I think that's actually the only starting player that they lost. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, the, the, the turnover or the lack of turnover right in, in this roster in the starting unit is pretty spectacular. Yeah, um, for any NFL team, right? yeah, yeah, to have 20, 21 out of twenty-two uh, 
returning is fantastic for the the outlook of the team at, at the very least for this year so now that being said right so let's start by saying like how how exciting is it that if you bought a jersey last year of a Colts player that was a starter the odds are he's still a Colt I'll take that and then that said though if you had to pick a player that's a starter on the Colts right now that won't be on this team next year Going into training camp, like you're like, this is probably his last hurrah here. Is there a player that comes to mind for you where you're like, eh, he's probably not going to make it? He'll matter be on the team this year, probably do all right, but he won't be on the team next year. I think my my gut and my initial reaction was Jabal Sheard okay. um, when you say that, just because they've got a lot of talented depth at the mm-hmm. defensive end position. Right. And they're young. And so they're going to want to make that this play. I think Jabal Sheard, this is the last year of his contract anyway. Mm-hmm. And so do I, he might be a surprise cut or trade um, at the cutdown day. But I mm-hmm. think more likely is that he gets carried through the season and then is not resigned next year. OK, so now that we've kind of we went, it's awesome to get everybody back here. So we think we might lose. Let's go. Uh, I don't know if you if you play. Do you play video games, Dr. Reed? Um, no, not not particularly. Um, Did you see that the Madden ratings came out? I, I don't go for I don't go by doctor um, <laughs> ever, so I don't know. Yeah, I was seeing if I could catch you on that. Yeah, I was if like, people are start sending doctor. me messages. You like, said it the first what? time, and I was like, I, I won't correct him. I'll, I'll just let him roll with it. <laughs> And then you did it again. I was like, all right, let me, Listen, let me fix I'm this real doctor. quick. <laughs> not a doctor. Um, um, I mean, I play one on this right. podcast. Right, but, that's why I keep calling you doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see the Madden rankings. Um, yeah. I think that's where your question was going. Uh, yeah. They, I think a new writer at CMP Blue, Carter Donick, um, wrote an article uh, recently about it. I think it's interesting. I don't get too caught up in it. I, I do think that they're completely arbitrary. So yeah. if that's what you want to do, um, you know, I know Madden's a huge, huge deal. It a is. lot of people play it. it is. Um, I think I saw that the Colts were something like the eighth or ninth best team overall. Mm-hmm. And of course, the second best team was the Cowboys. So I, I look at that and take it with a grain of salt because I, I look at their roster and say, yeah, I don't see that. Um, so one of the things that I know, and you'll have to correct me on which organization it is, but there's an organization out there. It's either Pro Football Focus or other similarly named uh, entity that they put out uh, valuations of players every year, and they have a system to do that. But then they've kind of added in their own, you know, unquantifiable metric that has reduced the reliability of their data and i take the same vision and apply that to madden ratings in that from what i understand having done very little research but there's basically a group of about four people that work for ea and their job is to watch film evaluate players and again similarly similarly to what i just brought up they also have like their own special sauce that they add to their evaluation that leads to things like the Cowboys being the second overall rated franchise on Madden. Now, that's not to say that they aren't a good team and that they aren't going to be a playoff competing team. 
Uh, but they're America's team. You're trying to hit a wide as market as possible, right? So you make America's team look good on paper, uh, and that's going to make more people buy Madden. So that's simply a marketing strategy. And then I wanted to point out to Colts fans that the things that matter, right, are that Andrew Luck is rated higher than Russell Wilson. So that's a dead argument. And then the only real beef that I had is that, and and it go, it's a callback to the prior point. Cowboys linebacker Leighton Vander Esch, who Darius Leonard had been compared to all last year, but was clearly outperformed by Darius Leonard. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch was actually rated higher than Darius Leonard. So it's like most of what you see on Madden in terms of ratings. Uh, you probably won't be very surprised with. But if you're a Colts fan and you are also a homer, uh, you got a kind of a win in that Andrew Luck is rated higher than uh, Russell Wilson. And then, of course, like Leighton Vanner Esch is still rated above Darius Leonard, and that's a travesty. Um, but that said, uh, I noticed a lot of the Colts wide receivers were being kind of oddly evaluated. So let's talk about that today. Going into this 2019 NFL season, of course, the, the most prominent thought regarding the receiver room is healthy T.Y. Hilton probably going to be the number one receiver, right? Yeah, I think that that goes pretty much without question in my mind. Um, T.Y. Hilton didn't show any signs of slowing down last year and actually ended up playing a lot better despite the injuries that he had. Okay, so now we say T.Y. Hilton is the Colts' number one receiver in terms of yards and targets and catches, right? W- without question. As long as he's on the field, he he and Andrew Luck have great rapport. Now, we could go straight down that wide receiver room and say, okay, who's the second leading receiver? But here's what I think. I don't think it's a wide receiver. Oh, you're going with, with a tight end or a running back? So that's my, that's my question to you. If my requirement... For the Indianapolis Colts in 2019 is that while I would love, for the record, I would love to have two wide receivers that catch like 75 or more balls. That would be awesome, right? So, of course, your brain wants Devin Funches to be the number two wide receiver, right? He's a big guy. If he can catch and hold on to the ball, uh, he's going to make some big plays. That, that, That would seem exciting. But given what we've already seen, if I remember correctly, the Colts' leading wide receiver was C.Y. Hilton, but right behind him in terms of production, I believe, was a running back, right? As it Like a leading, a leading receiver. Like having the second most catches on the team, I believe it was a running back. The, let's see. Remember, I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't write notes down. We're doing this all kind of off the hip. But what I was kind of getting at is... Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think it was T.Y. Hilton. Looking back on it last year, you had... Uh, well, T.Y. Hilton had 76 receptions last year mm-hmm. um, for over 1,200 yards. So that's pretty massive. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Ebron actually was second with 66 receptions. Um, and then uh, Naeem Hines Naeem was Hines, third with yeah. 63. That's what I was thinking. You had Hines... Ebron and Hilton leading the Colts and receiving last year. So that said, for all those people that are about to go out and buy jerseys for this season, 
if your buddy's already got a Hilton jersey and you're going to buy one, if you're going to buy a jersey this year and your objective is who is the Colts' second leading receiver, who do you think that is? If I'm just going off a receiver, I'm yeah, probably going to say – I'm actually probably going to say Paris Campbell. Ooh, okay. If If I were going to pick somebody that I think is going to have – a lot of receptions now he might not have a ton of yards um but i think that they're going to manufacture touches for him right um and i think that he's going to be able to eat up a lot of a lot of different different routes and and the team itself seems or the the team and the coaching staff seem very high on on paris campbell and Mm -hmm. and i am as well uh, for what i think that that he can offer to the team both in the short term and the long term so mr reed here is suggesting that a rookie wide receiver will be the second leading receiver on the colts in terms of receptions i was kind of thinking jack doyle like i could just as easily see that we get a healthy season a full season out of jack the data supports the idea if i remember correctly last year when he was healthy and played Jack Doyle saw twice as many targets given the time he played that Eric Ebron saw. So that's probably true. And, and reality, you're you're probably closer than what I am on it uh, in terms of who will likely be that second receiver. Because right. and partially this is because of the Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni offense. Right. Is they they put a lot of focus on the tight end position mm-hmm. and they will consistently have at least one tight end, usually two right. in the game mm-hmm. at any given time. And so the opportunity of a Jack Doyle being playing and being in the game mm-hmm. um, is probably going to be higher than what it would be for a Paris Campbell. I agree. So, I mean, I, I'm in for the record in the same, in the same boat as you in that, when I look at the Colts uh, ball catchers, we'll just call them people that are are also going to catch footballs from the Colts, the Eric Ebron, I have to think, regresses a little bit because I just said when Jack Doyle's healthy, Eric doesn't see as many targets or plays. So as long as Jack Doyle is healthy, I expect him to get a lion's share touches out of that position. And then once you look at the Colts wide receiver room, it's just like I believe a similar conversation we've had prior. Do you have higher expectations out of a Devin Funches or a Paris Campbell? And we decided together that we feel like the athleticism and the, and the just rare speed that Paris Campbell brings is going to result in him being looked at as more like a, and a dare con- compare, but like a Deshaun Jackson um, is somebody that you'd like to, you'd like to compare your rookie rookie wide receiver to, and that's just in terms of how he's used, right? So a lot of fly sweeps, right? A lot of screen passes, and and of course your downfield passes. But Paris Campbell is not he doesn't not have the body to catch balls over the middle and take contact all the time. So like we've said, we're gonna have to manufacture touches for this rare athlete and hope that he stays healthy. But if I had to bet money, you know, if you're going to buy a Colts jersey this year, I'm kind of leaning towards Jack. And then I'd really consider Paris Campbell. But then 
behind them, if I remember correctly, and you might be looking at the data, the Colts had like four or five people with 50 or more catches. So like you said, they spread the ball around. So then let's say T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, Paris Campbell, who's the fourth man out of on that offense that the Colts can really rely on? And then it'll come down to like, do we line up in, in big formations a lot and we're using two tight ends? And that means Eric Ebron is your fourth receiver. Or uh, do we use the running backs a lot more? And a guy like Naheem Hines continues to tear. He's on 63 catches as a running back as a rookie is a lot. That's a lot. And the yeah, have- absolutely. That's that's <laughs> and that the catch percentage of it, 63 receptions on 81 targets. It's a really high catch percentage, too. So perhaps if you are a little bit taller, he. Naheem Hines could have possibly been a great wide receiver, right? But height doesn't necessarily matter in this offense. It's just a bonus, right? So T.Y. Hilton's not the biggest guy in the room. Paris Campbell, for the record, is a pretty good size receiver, but still, he's like the third or fourth biggest receiver the Colts had. He's not a grand human. Now, Devin Funches is your big guy. Um, But, yeah, so if if I had to really call it, I think maybe Devin Funches is the number four receiver, right? So when we were looking at expectations of players, right, before we go out and buy our jerseys, hey, consider this from the people that write about the Colts all the time. Hey, this might not be Eric Ebron becomes a legend year, right? And it would be kind of uh, outside of what we think is going to happen for Devin Funches to step in and have 100 catches. That doesn't really pass the modus operandi. It seems like we're going to spread it around quite a bit. So I think what we've done is we've raised the floor of our our receivers, right, in terms of, of quality. We, we got better at the bottom, right, without, without having to go out and buy talent at the top. We, what we did was we, we made the, the lower end of our receiver room just better. And, and we'll kind of see who, who comes to the dance every week. Uh, but, but it kind of goes without saying, I fully expect, for the record, I love Eric Ebron and the attitude he has brung to the city. Uh, but I think this year we got to see a little regression out of you, right? Uh, because we know if Jack's healthy, he's going to see more targets. Uh, and then we also know there's always regression uh, you have a great year. The next year, you're gonna s- take a step back, right? Yeah, and with with Ebron, as we mentioned last week, when we talked about him in terms of fantasy production, mm-hmm. a lot of his his big boost was because he had 13 receiving touchdowns. Right. And that was one of the top receiving touchdown numbers for an NFL tight end in recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're likely not going to see that again. Um, no. And so, and then also you had mentioned you know, when you're looking out buying a prospective Jersey, like realistically, if you're looking at buying a prospective Jersey, I would go with the younger guy personally. Right. Um, it's a better investment. Yeah. It's a better long-term investment. For example, Jack Doyle's contract is up after this year. So just yeah. if, if you actually are using our podcast to make your decision on whose Jersey to buy, um, that's probably, a terrible decision to do that. But I, I, I don't, don't listen to us on which jersey to buy next. 
Right. Buy who you like. Yeah, well, absolutely buy who you like. I, I was just, I was using it as like a yeah, yeah, yeah. point, right? Like, hey, who's Josie we buying this year? If we're not, if we already got Luck and Ty, who's next, right? I you I, might as well buy Vinatieri. It's he'll he'll be here for forever. Well, I've decided yeah. I've decided <laughs> that Adam Vinatieri is just immortal, and outside of getting a little gray, he'll just play forever. You know. Eventually, like, football may not exist, and it will just be Adam Vinatieri versus Tom Brady, right? Like, they'll just, they'll be the only guys left capable of doing, because apparently they've, you know, drank the blood of virgins and are just going to be here forever. Unicorns. 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 Not virgins. Um, That would be cannibalism. Um, Yeah, that's... Yeah. Let's just go with (laughs) unicorns, and we'll stick to Harry Potter and mythology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more than anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we are a week from training camp starting. Uh, during one of the hottest summers in recorded history. It's gross. It kind of makes me wonder if we're going to have to have a lot of more practices indoors. If I remember correctly, Colts play in a dome quite a bit this year. Am I, how, how, how close to wrong am I? You're really close to right. Um, the Colts' schedule this year, they play outdoors. Let's see. Outdoors week one. Mm-hmm. Week one, week two, Tennessee. Outdoors at Kansas City week five. Outdoors, Pittsburgh week nine. And then the remainder of the schedule, they are either indoors or in Florida. Okay. So I was pretty much right that most of the Colts games this season are going to be played indoors. And that kind of leads me to wonder how much time they're going to spend outside in this unimaginable heat. So with that, that's to temper your expectations for those of you that are going to training camp. Hey, it's going to be real hot. And with it being real hot, I would I would have to wonder how much time are these guys going to spend outside in this heat uh, during the day? So I, I know that I'm just a, a you know party pooper, uh, but what I'm really trying to say is, hey, I, I would kind of consider, hey, I would probably just spend a lot of times in my indoor practice facility given the temperature outside. But, you know, I'm not a football coach. I'm a, I'm a guy on a podcast. So um, it kind of makes me wonder how that's going to affect training camp. So that was kind of the question I was going to, throw at you is even though i kind of i kind of said it hey man it's gonna be real hot during training camp do you see that kind of affecting outside practice league-wide do you think that's gonna affect the quality of the product you see or do you think that works in the colts favor given that most of our games are indoors on on turf so we're not playing outside on grass all year this year we don't need to be outside playing in the grass and the heat when it's dangerously hot, right? Yeah. I think what you were saying earlier is good good kind of rule of thumb for anybody that's planning to attend training camp is to temper your expectations on what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, like you had said, it, it's going to be really hot. Uh, what I think will come of this more so than anything else is you'll see a lot more soft tissue injuries, yep. whether uh, just league-wide. Um, you'll see a lot more calf strains, hamstrings, quads, all of that, because these guys are, if, if they haven't done the proper training, 
and they jump into training camp and they don't stay properly hydrated, Mm -hmm. they're going to get injured. And that's just, just kind of a fact of life is if you don't take care of your body and, and you try to jump into 90 degree heat with X amount of humidity, you're, you're going to be worn out and you're probably going to pull something. Um, so I think that they're probably going to, you're probably going to see the Colts actually not go as hard, um, or maybe not as hard, but not as, um, as frequently. So you're going to see bigger breaks between drills. You're going to see more hydration stations Mm -hmm. around to, to make sure that everybody is staying properly hydrated. You're going to see a lot more of rotations, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, what cornerbacks are playing, the linebackers playing, defense, wide receivers, everybody's going to be be swapping out constantly, which is actually really good for anybody that's coming to see training camp because part of, at least part of this year's Colts, uh, part of the cool part about it is that you're actually going to have some lower level camp battles uh, that matter. And, yeah. and not, a, not like back at the end of the Grigson area where you're like, I don't know who's going to make this team because the talent was just so bad at the right. bottom of the roster. Now you're asking the same question. I don't know who's going to make this team, but it's because you've got talent all the way across the board. And right. I think that makes a huge difference uh, in what, what you'll see in the intensity of training camp in and of itself. But fans need to know to temper their expectations on what they're going to see. And you're probably going to see a little bit less, less action mm-hmm. if it is hot or like you had said, they will go indoors. And then you'll have limited amount of people able to get in to see it. Um, and that's just more or less to protect the players from possible injuries. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, that's something that um, has been a big part of my life is just simply maintaining proper hydration is a, an ongoing battle. Like, so in addition to already already having it in your brain as a as a professional athlete, I can tell not as a I am not a professional athlete, but as a as a professional athlete, these Colts players have to take like really good care of their bodies. And in addition to being in really good physical condition, it's also important for them to maintain proper hydration because if you don't, we're gonna end up with a bunch of guys with with that just come out right away, and that's when guys tear their hammy, pull their quad, tear their Achilles is they've spent all, all winter long in the weight room and on the treadmill, and they've done their little sprint work to maintain their foot speed, uh, and you've seen that on IG. But what have you not seen is them thoroughly hydrating every single day uh, so that they don't get these BS soft, soft tissue injuries that cause them to miss a lot of time. And I've always in my head when I see a guy get an early soft tissue injury in my brain, I'm like, it's that guy that sits on the couch all summer and then somebody steals the air conditioning unit out of their window and they get up to chase him down and just go down in a pile because you sat on your couch all summer and you haven't sprinted in ages. And as soon as that air conditioning unit fell out of your window and you went to get up, you pulled a hammy, right? And let your air conditioning yeah. get away. Right. So similarly, um, and my hope and, is that this franchise is being run intelligently and that we'll see a lot more walkthrough type activity out, outdoors. And then they'll just apologize to the fans and say, listen, it's hot, guys. Like, we got to get these guys inside. Uh, it's probably, We play a lot of games inside this year. 
and and again again not trying to poop on anybody's parade it's like hey if you're if you're gonna travel to grand park and you're gonna set up and have a good time plan to have a good time with other colts fans uh i think that's probably a better attitude to have about it as opposed to getting to see a lot of action like in years past because i've i'm actually probably one of a handful of people i know i've been to anderson to training camp i've been to rose holman for colts training camp and in years past it hadn't been as hot man and you would got to see tons of tons of activity and as as it gets hot outside this is one of the things that's going to hurt football is in terms of the visibility like the practice visibility of players that's going to go down because it's probably better for them to be practicing indoors in addition to it's probably better for the Colts to practice indoors because they're adding new offensive weapons that they probably want to keep the, how they're utilizing a secret, right? I wouldn't really want to be outside in the public eye with cameras on me from every news station in America while I'm trying to figure out how to use Paris Campbell, for example. I, I would prefer most of those reps happened indoors. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I think the majority of, of their outdoor work is not going to be installation of any kind of play or anything like that, Mm-mm. but more or less just kind of doing those like general drills for the right. fans. So then they get okay. to see the players and get to interact with the players. I will say this, uh, the Colts um, having Rusty Jones as their uh, head of performance um, or I think a, a director of sports performance mm-hmm. will pay huge dividends for for the Colts in the long run uh, when it comes to these soft tissue injuries. And the, the toughest part about soft t- tissue injuries is they don't just heal right away. Like a lot of times, if you get them in training camp, you have that nagging injury all the way through the season, because realistically you need three to four weeks. If, if say you, you pull a hammy or you strain a quad or strain your calf, you need three to four weeks of, of limited activity on that for it to properly heal, you're not going to get that in the NFL. Right. And so that's why these soft tissue injuries in training camp and why it was such a frustrating situation for so many years for Colts fans, because we would constantly hear about a player having a hammy or, you know, pulling, pulling a straining a calf or, or whatever it was, but these soft tissue injuries always linger and will affect the performance of those players. Um, into the season and that's never something that you want to have absolutely it's a good point so now that's now that we've kind of made it so people don't want to go to training camp um go to training camp it's a lot of i I, i've heard so many great things about it and it's a lot of fun for fans it's it's a a great time to meet other and it's free and it's free and it's it's, free all you have to do is go to the colts website colts.com and uh, find the location to get free training camp tickets and that's all you have to do. Boom, done. And you don't have to drive to Anderson or drive down to Terre Haute. Like it's just in Westfield, right outside the city. And I, yeah. I, I've thought, I've thought about like since it's free, um, I might not be there, but I'm gonna try. Like I want to try to go meet everybody I can at training camp. In terms of fans, by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'd love to meet Colts players, but you know it's pretty, pretty unrealistic. I, I would love to meet our fans. Uh, any any opportunity we get to to meet the people that read or or consume uh, our material are people that we want to see. Um, and I did want to plug today 
on our podcast. Uh, if you love fantasy football and you love the Colts and you are a Stampede Blue fan, and specifically if you've already played fantasy football with Stampede Blue in the past, this year will be my second year to run the free fantasy football leagues uh, through Stampede Blue. So that means at no cost to you, we're going to host as many leagues as we can. I think last year I ended up with 20 total, which for the record was insanity, but that's what we signed up for. Um, so this year I just wanted to throw it out there that, hey, there's an article that I wrote that should be pinned or should have been pinned where you can count yourself in to play fantasy football for free this year with other Colts fans. In addition to that, I thought of an idea where if say you're a, a business owner and you're a Colts fan and you'd like to offer to sponsor a league, we'll put your name of your business or your name in the title of one of the leagues and we had an idea that's kind of twofold. Either one, you could just buy a piece of Colts memorabilia and mail it to the winner, having sponsored a league. Or if you've got a product that's consumable, hey, you could probably give your product to the winner of the league you sponsor. It shouldn't cost a business anything really to do that. You're just going to offer something you sell. Uh, and it's going to be free advertising for you. So I wanted to make sure that we said on the podcast, hey, feel free to count yourself in to play fantasy football for free with us. And also, if you'd like to sponsor a league, hey, let's talk. Now that said, last week we talked about fantasy football and how we kind of viewed uh, the Colts going into this year's uh, fantasy football Um and you had told me before we started a podcast today that you were kind of looking at the rest of the AFC South, particularly, and their schedule. What did you come up with, brother? Yeah, I was looking at the AFC South and their schedule to, to try to get an idea of, like we had said last week, or, or maybe it was in the first podcast on where we predicted the Colts to be. Mm-hmm. We thought you know they were going to be in that. 11 to 13 win range. Uh, for me, I thought they would be probably right about 13 wins on the season, okay. um, depending on how that first game goes against right. the Chargers. So I, I thought, you know, maybe Kansas City, maybe New Orleans is a loss for the Colts since they're both at Kansas City and at New Orleans, and then a divisional game somewhere in the middle of the this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, for when I started breaking down the other other teams in the division, I actually kind of looked at it and try to predict what I thought would happen. So okay. I, I first looked at the Houston Texans and, and went down their schedule, and I ended up coming up with a, about a 6-10 and 10 season for them. Oh, wow. Uh, um, and that's basically splitting home and home with the other teams in the AFC South. Um, well, Houston splitting with Jacksonville and Tennessee. Um, and so for those games, they went 2-2 two and two in there. Now, they could just as easily be 8-8. Eight and eight. Right. Uh, but I'm not sure that the Texans got better in a lot of the places they needed to get better. They needed to address their offensive line, and they certainly addressed it in the draft, but it wasn't with quality. 
And so I think their their pick they had in the second round of uh, Max Sharping, that tackle is probably going to be a better player immediately than Titus Howard, who they took in the first round. But going into their schedule, you you kind of look at it and you say, all right, they start off at New Orleans. That's probably a loss. Um, then they and that's a, a Monday night game, I think, um, mm-hmm. at New Orleans. Then they go to or they host Jacksonville. So figure that's probably a win. So they start off one one. Then they go to the Chargers. Doubt they win that game. And then they are home against Carolina. I had them pegged in for a win there, but Carolina could just as easily be a surprise team this year. Um, they've got they've got a quality defense. Their defensive line is fantastic. Um, their their skill position players are, are questionable. Cam Newton is always kind of a question mark on how they play. Um, but you never know um, with, with Carolina who's going to show up. Uh, then you, you break it down, and they've got Houston hosts the Falcons, and then they go to Kansas City, they go to the Colts, and then they host Oakland. So you're looking at another like two and two stretch there. So they're looking like four and four to start. Then they're at Jacksonville. I had them losing to Baltimore. Um, I had them losing to the Colts at home. Um, so in week 12, the Colts go to Houston. I think the Colts will win that game because T.Y. Hilton will go for like 15 catches for 300 yards and five touchdowns. Right. Because he basically, I, they've got the stadium wrong on here. They say it's NRG Stadium, but I know it's T.Y. Hilton Stadium right. there. Um, but anyway, so then they host New England. So that's another loss. And then they get Denver at home and they go to Tennessee. They go to Tampa Bay and then they host Tennessee. So I didn't have them being much over six or seven wins on the, on the course of the season. Yeah. That seems like a tough schedule. What I was kind of going through it with you in my head and was like, wow, that, that first eight games, it's rough. That's a rough schedule for Houston. And I'm not a hater. So I'm not one of those people to sit here and poop on other programs, but here's what I will say. I agree with you that I don't think Houston got a lot better. In fact, I'd argue Houston, in terms of the rest of the AFC South, did the worst this offseason. Well, which, and they don't have a GM right now, which is, is kind of mind-blowing because your GM every single week makes those decisions on waiver claims, makes the decisions on, you know, for example, Jadavion Clowney is having huge issues with his contract um, situation right now and is starting to hold out because they, he wants a new deal. And he's going to play under the franchise tag this year or get traded. And they don't have anybody there as a GM to be able to really negotiate that deal or to trade him. And so they're they're stuck in a situation. They're going to get fleeced and he's going to end up, Jay Van Clowney is going to end up leaving and Houston's going to get nothing is what's going to happen. Maybe. And, you know, if if I'm Houston, I I try to, to force him to play out the season on the franchise tag. The other aspect of it is Houston despite listing him as a defensive end outside linebacker has him franchise tagged under the outside linebacker tag versus being a defensive end. Despite that let the him fact pay that him less? About $1.7 million less. Oh, um, scumbag. So you've got that <laughs> issue that's going to be going on too, because I mean, he's a pass rusher. I was going to say, he's <laughs> like, am I crazy? He, he's not really an OLB. He's a DN. No. He's a Russian. Yeah, he's a he's a Russian. Like he's they an play edge. a three four. <laughs> an edge as a they they play a three four, so I get it. 
like being he's able a to walk up him. outside linebacker that puts his hand in the dirt like what 90 percent of the time <laughs> rushes the passer okay. like you never see him in coverage or if you do see him in coverage you throw the ball towards him right because he's, he's not making that play against the tight end or wide receiver but like like you said that those first eight games of their season is really really tough Right. You know, you, you get New Orleans, Jacksonville, we're not sure what they're going to be, but we know they've got a great defense. Right. Um, and and their their defense has only improved after the draft. Right. Uh, they they added Nick Foles, which I don't think, as we discussed on, on one of the first couple podcasts, I don't think that's much of an upgrade over Blake Bortles. Uh, I think you said that it's actually a downgrade. Um, Statist- over the statistically, of in terms yeah. of regular season statistics, and I'm not just talking about quarterback rating, brother. So when I yeah. say... Nick Foles is a certifiably worse quarterback during the regular season than Blake Bortles. That ought to tell you everything you need to know about the Jacksonville offense. Because as we both know, outside of, oh, I would lose their running back's name somewhere in this, uh, Fournette, Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. Outside of Leonard Fournette, who are... Jacksonville's skill players their defense can be all world but if the rest of that that team is a bunch of question marks and a worse version of Blake Bortles that ship is still sinking so then we talked about Houston how that schedule looks rough to me the only stretch of winnable games for Houston I saw was on the last four weeks of that schedule so that's a tough year for them what about Jacksonville so I look down Jacksonville, and I honestly see them being 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight on the okay. season. Jacksonville also, the first three games they have is they host Kansas City, <laughs> then they go to Houston, okay. and then they host Tennessee. Okay. So you've got two divisional games right there off the bat. And I think I had them, they, they lost to te- the Chiefs, uh, lost to the Texans, and then beat the the Titans. Then they went to Denver, so I, I have them winning that game. And then they went to Carolina. I'm pretty sure I had them losing that game mm-hmm. because yep. going on the road is, is tough right. regardless. Then right. they host New Orleans, that's a so loss. that's a loss. Then they go to Cincinnati, and yeah. who knows what the Bengals will be this year? Because right. they Bengals have talent on offense. Um, right. Their defense, you never know. Um, Jacksonville's one of their bigger issues last year was protecting the quarterback mm-hmm. and Cincinnati, Eugenio Atkins is a beast right. in the middle of that line. And you, you pair them uh, with the options they've got for pass rushers. And, and that could be a messy game for Jacksonville an unexpectedly messy game. And then you've got the, the Jacks, um, the, the jets going to Jacksonville. So that's probably a win. And then Houston going to Jacksonville. So that's probably, or that's actually in London. Um, so Houston at Jacksonville is in London. Hmm. So that's that's kind of a toss-up. I actually didn't realize that when I looked at the Houston schedule. Um, so they might actually be a game up because that's basically a, a neutral field game. Yeah. Um, or it is a neutral field game there. And then they go – the Jacksonville comes to Indianapolis, so that's a loss. Go to Tennessee, it's probably a loss. They host Tampa Bay. And then their last four games are hosting – the Chargers going to Oakland. So that's a cross country trip right there to Oakland hosting or then going to Atlanta and hosting the Colts. Wow. So Houston's like, got a tough schedule too, but yeah, it's in Jackson, two different Jackson phases. Tough. 
Yeah, and that's the, first the thing four is, and last four weeks look rough for me. When people are looking at the AFC South schedule, know that there's only two games, I think, in the AFC South um, that, that are different between the teams. So you've got, for example, the, the Colts will play um, the AFC North second place team on it, which I believe last year was uh, Pittsburgh. Yes. And so the Colts play Pittsburgh. Houston, uh, I believe, uh, gets Cleveland. So that's no, that's no cakewalk for them. I think that's no. right. Um, hold on, let me, let me make sure. I thought we were saying no, they Houston get plays Baltimore. Houston gets Baltimore. That's no cakewalk. Jacksonville gets um, the uh, Bengals. And so who knows? And Tennessee starts the season at Cleveland. Oh, they lose that game. Yeah, like the that that's really the only. And then the the other game that's different for the teams is the AFC East. Um, so, for example, the Colts in the AFC East, uh, I think they play Miami out of the AFC East. Yes. So that's a win. Um, the AFC East was, is so bad and has been so bad for so and long. And then Houston gets the Jets. Jacksonville gets... Jacksonville gets the Jets. Houston... Um, they don't play the Patriots. So Yeah, Houston plays the Patriots. Houston plays the Patriots. Um, but that also could partially be because, yeah, because they finished first and Houston finished first. And oh. then Tennessee gets Buffalo. Okay. Okay. So then we say. Outside of that, all the other teams, all the other games, these the AFC South plays um, are all the same. It's just right. at different locations. Right. So when you looked at, so we've looked at Houston, Jacksonville. We talked briefly about the Colts. For the record, in regards to Cincinnati. Officially, Cincinnati is the new Cleveland, for the record. In terms of like the bad Ohio franchise. Oh. Um, I was very confused. I was like, wait, you mean Dave got Baker Mayfield? I'm so confused. I thought they were <laughs> no, never no, no, giving like, up on Andy Dalton. In the last twenty plus years, the Cleveland franchise has been among the worst in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And I was just joking, but I've I've been pretty much ribbing Cincinnati for a while. That uh, they're the worst. Close proximity to Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got to hit. You got to hit close to home, right? The Cincinnati Bengals are the Bungles, and now they're the worst franchise in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that said, though, let's talk last here about the Tennessee Titans schedule. What did you see when you looked at the at the Titans schedule? Similar to every other team in the AFC South, the Titans' first four games are very tough. Mm-hmm. They start out at Cleveland, mm-hmm. probably a loss. Then they host the Colts in week two, so probably a loss. Yeah. Then they go to Jacksonville in week three, could possibly be a loss. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Atlanta in week four. Whew. That's could a tough be a loss for four there. games, Titan fans. Okay, yeah, and then the, the next two games are, are, are probably a little bit easier for them. They host Buffalo and mm-hmm. they go to Denver. So okay. you're looking at probably if if the Titans fans are are being really optimistic, they're they're hoping for a three and three start out of those first six games, okay. and and that's probably going to be precedent. They're more realistically going to be looking at a two and four. Two and four, yeah. Two and four, sorry. Then week seven, they host the Chargers, which okay. probably a loss. lost. Yeah. Then they host Tampa Bay, huh, so they'll win that. So you're looking at you know four, four, four. and four. Look, three and four, three and five. 
Then they go to Carolina. That's a toss up. That's a loss. Yeah, probably a loss. Um, Then they host Kansas City. That's a loss. Then they go or they uh, host Jacksonville. Meh. So toss up. Any any given Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, especially divisional games. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are those are tough games regardless. And then you go to go to Indianapolis on week 13. Probably a loss. They go to Oakland, another cross country trip. That's tough, um, that's tough to for, do. for the Jacksonville, I want to say Jacksonville and Tennessee go cross country to Oakland. Um, and then you host Houston. So that'll probably be a tough game. Yeah. And then they finish the season hosting New Orleans and that's, that's going to Houston. It's so, just tough. It's just tough. Like the AFC South, just the, the talent wise of all the teams in the AFC South has increased dramatically over the past two years. And so it's not a given that that these teams are gonna gonna finish that way. But I had Tennessee looking at that similar to Jacksonville, a seven and nine, eight and eight season, and that's looking at it realistically, going through it and not trying to be a Colts homer and saying, oh, these guys are terrible, they're gonna lose right. every game. No, it and partially we are being Colts homers because I don't think I had the Colts losing any game in the division. I mean, if they are gonna lose a game in the division probably looking at Jacksonville at Jacksonville and that yeah. would be the last week of the season right. potentially although they play so well in the, the at the end of the season yeah so it'll all depend on what's on the line if the Colts already have the division locked up uh, I think that they might lose that game if they are fighting for a division I think they'll win it um, you know I I don't see the Colts losing to Houston just because the Colts have improved so dramatically on in all aspects of their their team, mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe they lose to Tennessee um, week 13 uh, when yeah. they Tennessee comes to Indianapolis. And the only reason I say that that's a possibility is because by then Jeffrey Simmons will probably be back, the Titans' first round pick. Now mm-hmm. he probably won't be in football shape, so it might not matter. Um, right. But the Tennessee, I, I think Tennessee's defense is really underrated. Um, because they've got a lot of talent and they've got a lot of youth. Now, their offense is terrible. They have no wide receivers. They barely have a tight end. They've got Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota, who can't stay healthy. So I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. They're going to rely on that defense. But they've got the defense there that they can rely on. Um, It's the same thing with Jacksonville, really, is Jacksonville's got nobody on offense, especially at the skill positions. They've got an okay borderline quarterback with Nick Foles, but their defense is fantastic. Houston is a team that I think will regress um, this this year as compared mm-hmm. to the others. And part of that is because they play those two harder games against Baltimore and New England um, this year versus who the Colts play and, and who, you know, the, the Jags and the Titans play. But I think Houston's the most likely to go from first to fourth. Yeah. Um, I think the Colts are probably going to win this division by a couple games and, you know, people can call me a homer. That's fine. But I was spot on last year when I predicted the schedule, I said to, I want to say it was on, uh, Matt Danley's, uh, Colts cast, um, it was right after the draft or right around the draft. And we went through a quick schedule recap and I said, look, realistically, I look at this team and I say the first part of the season's really tough, but they could string off nine wins near right. there at the end. And, and they did. And they did. 
and and I and that's why I said I said look you I I didn't pick that they would lose to Jacksonville out of that that game um I don't I don't think um but at the same well, time I said that I could see them going nine and seven or ten and six last year and they they end up going ten and six so what do you think this year so let's let's finish up episode three let's go through we you know we we talked about the Texans the Titans um and the Jags. Let's look at the Colts' schedule. Last week we talked about the first four weeks. Let's go through the season and how we actually think this is going to go, right? So week one at the Chargers, we may not have to see uh, Melvin, uh, Gordon. Melvin Gordon. So that game just got a lot more winnable in the last week in my eyes because, hey, I know, I know it's it's a fool's errand to hope a player doesn't show up. But what if that doesn't get resolved and he misses week one? And he and they lose, and then the Chargers have this like moment where they were kind of vulnerable. Colts took advantage; it kind of kickstart the Colts season. But let's just let's just pretend the Colts win at the Chargers. Then let's go through the rest of the game. So I know it, what is it? Atlanta, Oakland, and uh, so they Moreland. they start off at the Chargers, and if and like I said last week that the Chargers are or said in the, in the past, the Chargers are slow starters every year. Um, they haven't won their season opener in the last four years. Um, they're, they always have a tough time out of the gate. Right. And so I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the Colts go in there and win right. uh, uh, in week one. So assuming that they win in week one, I see them starting at the very least three and one, four and zero. Oh, yeah. With the only possible loss being Atlanta at, at home, because mm-hmm. I don't think Tennessee will have their act together by week two um, when when the Colts go to Tennessee. But like we've said it, when going through the rest of the AFC South, division games are tough, and so yeah. and especially division road games. So who knows? Tennessee might be extra motivated because the the Colts you know, beat them pretty handily last year to make the playoffs. And so they've got some extra motivation there, but say the Colts go, I, if I were going to make my prediction, I would say the Colts start probably four and L out of that. And then we play Kansas city week five. Yeah. We go to Kansas city week five for, I don't think, I don't think the Colts lose that game to be honest. Me neither. Um, I think that, I think that Kansas city regressed. I think that the Colts will actually go in and win that game. So I'm looking at probably 5-0 and there. Then you've got the Colts then host Houston, host Denver. So I'm looking at 7-0. and Yep. Right off the right off the start. start. And then they go to Pittsburgh. Ah, I'm not a t- hey, Heinz Field is a tough place to play, man. Heinz Field certainly is a tough place to play. But Pittsburgh's – I don't believe Pittsburgh's defense is, is great. Sure. Um, and I, I might be wrong on there. And I think that the loss of Antonio Brown is going to severely impact Juju Smith-Schuster. Sure. And because part of the, the benefit that Juju had was that people would rotate coverage and focus on Antonio Brown. Now he's going to be the primary number one wide receiver and he yeah. may show out, yeah. you know, and, and that's great for him. But I, until I see it. I'm not sure that I believe it. And so I would say the Colts actually go in there and, and potentially win that game. Sure. Uh, against Pittsburgh. So I, as much of a homer as it is, I'm looking at the Colts at seven and one, eight. No, sure. Through week nine. 
And then you get Miami at home and Jacksonville at home. So that's Mm -hmm. another two wins, uh, more likely than not. So you're looking at 10-0, 9-1 to start the season. And I I feel anxiety saying that because I feel like I'm going way too far in in my my Colts fandom. Sure. By saying that they're going to start 10-0, 9-1. It's probably um, more feasible to say they start eight and two. So, so for I, me, I think that I think they'll probably. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think they'll probably Pittsburgh drop and, a game in Pittsburgh there. Pittsburgh and Atlanta, or don't they play New Orleans? They play New Orleans New early Orleans or late. late. They play them late. So, mm-hmm. my losses were at Pittsburgh, initially at the Chargers, but I've changed my mind now with Melvin Gordon being questionable. I just think the Colts don't have those problems, right? And that's uh, that's an easy easy leap. For me to say, because we don't have similar problems, we we should come out victorious there. And like you've said, the Chargers have are notorious for starting out slow. So those are reasons to justify saying there's no reason Colts can't go out there and get get a win week one. And then, like you said, at you got play Tennessee, um, play Atlanta, and play Oakland in the first four weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Oakland, they may have star power they could be a surprise team they could be a surprise team but that doesn't mean they beat the colts right so when we go we were looking at realistically say hey probably more like eight and two and then keep going so now we're to week 12 yeah with and the colts are going to houston so let's say the colts if they're going to drop a divisional game it's probably that one yeah Um, sure it's it's also the thursday night game oh um And so you you add that in there. I, I'd say that the, the Colts more likely than not are going to drop that game if they're going to drop any. Mm-hmm. Um, so say they're going to fall to, I think that would put you at, at eight and three on the season, put me at like nine and two Yeah. on the season. Then they host Tennessee, which That's is a probably a win. They go to T- Tampa Bay, That's which a win. is probably a win. So now we're into week 15, three games left in the season. And, I'm sitting there at what eleven X and, and two X and two, three. yeah, eleven and two, and you're at ten and three. Yep. Then they go to New Orleans, probably that's a, a tough, loss. That's a, that's a tough place to play, and New Orleans a tough, well-rounded team. They play both sides of the ball. They're well coached. It's a Monday night game, and it's a and Monday so night game, man. That's a the tough, Superdome, tough game to win on the road. Superdome on a Monday night is going to be crazy. Yep. Um, they're going to have all day to drink and get nuts down there in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so I'd probably say if, if they were going to lose another game on the season, it's probably that one. Yep. So right now I, I'm sitting at 11 and three on the season. You're at 10 and four. Yeah, Is that ahead. right? Mm-hmm. And then the Colts host Carolina um, in the Caroline can uh, comes back game. Yep. Uh as she she left the Colts and, and went to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, to, she went back home, there. right? Yeah, she's from Carolina, so mm-hmm. I, I don't blame her for that. No, um, so I think that's probably a win for the Colts. And then the Colts end their year at Jacksonville. And so I'm sitting there looking at the Colts and saying, I'm I'm probably right about 13-3 and three yeah. on the season. And you're, you're about 12-4. and four. I think if the Colts are have secured the home field advantage through the playoffs – yeah. By week 17, I think they'll probably rest some guys for Jacksonville. Yeah. Or, or so, injuries, right? So you figure yeah. you go through this season, you're going to take some injuries. If you just think about what we just talked about, which is 
sometimes it doesn't matter who you play. It matters when you play them. So in exactly. particular, we pointed when out and where two potential losses for the Colts were both happened to be road games that are not Sunday games. So mm-hmm. we talked about a Thursday night game and a Monday night game. That's like, eh, those the are Thursday night game at Houston and eh. then the Monday night game at New Orleans. See, both those, those games I have the same attitude games. about. Those are tough games to play on the road anyway. And then in addition to that, you've got a Monday night and a Thursday night game. So the problem so the, that I've all- The Thursday night is even worse because it's a short week. Now, right. the benefit is the Colts will have already played the Texans earlier in the season. So it'll be the second time facing the Texans. It's a divisional opponent. So right. you know them a little bit better than, say, you were playing somebody out of division or out of conference. Right. And so- it, it makes it a little bit easier, but playing on the road on a short week on a Thursday night is never easy. Right. And so for the for for you Colts fans out there trying to like figure it all out and looking for hey what a, what are guys that write about this and do research about this and really pay really close attention to the Colts and then we took a look at our schedules and tried not to be too big of homers. We ended at 12 and 13 wins, three and four losses respectively, and that's that's winning your division. That's probably being the number one seed, number two seed in the AFC. Being at least the number two seed. Um, and that's, that's that a point, good thing. Yeah. At, at that point, with, with 12 or 13 wins in the AFC, typically you have the AFC North beats each other beats each other up. The winner of that is usually at 10 or 11 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, the AFC East is New England's to lose. Yep. And so they're going to be they, – and New England's schedule isn't, isn't easy either. Um you know, in terms of, of who they play out of conference, but that AFC East is so down every year. Like the yeah. Jets might be the second best team there in the, in the AFC East. The Dolphins are a train wreck. The Bills are who knows. Um, nah, man, the Bills got Frank Gore to pair well, with LaShawn McCoy. That's they're, they're gonna run for like three thousand yards. They're maybe. gonna be the, yeah, they're gonna be the <laughs> second best team in that division at. Like six and ten. Six and ten. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> the 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 and, AFC and so East. AFC East, you're looking at New England's probably going to come out of that with pretty going away at twelve or thirteen wins. Probably. And then the AFC West, you've got Kansas City and and the Chargers that are going to be just beating each other up. And then you've got Oakland, who could surprise a few teams here and there. Sure. You know, Oakland. I, I think they and knocked win off four uh, games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they could exactly. Like, <laughs> they could they could surprise teams. I think at the end of the year they they took a took a couple knocks off of uh, teams that were were going into the playoffs. I don't remember it completely, um, but they I I think they played decently last year at the end of the season. Um, and um, let's see, they they took out Denver at the end of the year, and Denver I think at the time was was kind of close and they competed with kansas city and they beat pittsburgh late late in the year now they also had losses to cincinnati and they also got blown out by kansas city in week 17 um but they kept with kansas city in week 13 they lost by seven points and kansas city is not going to probably run away with that division so the colts at 12 or 13 wins like jared and i it should be just about a one seed it should be a one or at the very least a two seed yeah. um, hosting, you know, a, having a bye week and then hosting that that home playoff game. And so 
Which is a big deal. We talked about that. I remember talking about it last year, how big a deal it was that we had to go to Kansas City in that playoff game and how that outcome might be different if we're playing in Indianapolis. And I get it. I'm a Colts fan, so I'm a homer for saying the Colts beat that Kansas City team at home, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that outcome's a lot different when weather's not as much of a factor, and that I would bet money on it every day of the week. So the onus is on the Colts to make sure that not only do they win the division, that they secure at least a two seed so that you're getting to host, you're getting a, 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 a week of rest, and then you're getting a home playoff game. This just raises the probability of you of you winning a Super Bowl or having enough energy at the end of the year to win a Super Bowl. Because um, you got to figure the AFC for the record is the Patriots to lose, right? And then we mm-hmm. just talked about how the other front runners in the AFC are in divisions that they're going to beat up on each other, right? So that's the Baltimores and the Pittsburghs and the Clevelands. They're going to beat each other up. The Chargers and Chiefs and Raiders, they're going to beat each other up. And then, yeah, the Patriots are probably coming out of the AFC East, but that's we've been saying that every year for 20 years. Um, so now that we've kind of gone through what we kind of think is going on in the division, talked a little bit about whatever's going on in the rest of the NFL, and obviously we could talk about the AFC uh, or the NFC all day, um, which I think see is a, a, a lot more competitive for the record than the AFC. Yeah, I there's think, a lot more teams at the top of the NFC versus oh yeah. as compared to the AFC. Oh, yeah. So we've hit our hour mark. We want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast, for supporting Stampede Blue. Uh, we want to, you know, we hope you have a great week. Uh, training camp's next week and two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game, and that's Denver, what I say, Denver and Atlanta in Canton, Ohio on August 1st. So football season is upon us. Your fantasy drafts, uh, again, since I'm running a bunch of fantasy drafts, we're going to start those uh, looking at after, say, like week two of the preseason. So if you want to look at your schedules now and say, hey, when am I likely to draft if I get involved in this free league? Probably after week two, maybe after week three. There's probably about a 15-day window. You probably want to do a draft just to avoid all those soft tissue injuries we talked about, right? So... Uh, I've been Jared Malat with my friend here, Stephen Reed, with Stampede Blue. And if you want to take us away, go ahead. Stampede Blue. That's the best I got, guys. Sorry. No, it was great. I'm-